0: and for our scripture reading this morning we will turn to the book of psalms and psalm 91 psalm 91 our text our focus will be from luke 13 as we finish up the last few verses on in chapter 13 but we'll read first from psalm 91. Now the word of the Lord. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in Him will I trust. Surely He shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked, because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place. No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over you, to keep you in all his ways. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent you shall trample underfoot. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life I will satisfy him and show him my love. Salvation. This far our scripture reading. And dear congregation, if you turn to the gospel of Luke in chapter thirteen, you'll read the verses of our text. Luke thirteen and the verses thirty four and thirty five. Verse 34 and 35 of Luke 13. And here Jesus says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her, how often I wanted to gather your children together, as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, but you were not willing. See, your house is left to you desolate. And assuredly I say to you, you shall not see me until the time comes when you shall say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That'll be our focus this morning. And sometimes we might ask, why is there still so much evil in the world, so much wickedness, so many wicked and oppressive people and why doesn't the Lord destroy them? Why doesn't the Lord establish, set up His kingdom? And maybe something similar, to the, the disciples asked the Lord Jesus in Luke 9 when, when the Samaritans wouldn't receive Jesus into the city, and the disciples said, shall we call down fire from heaven to destroy them? Do you remember what the Lord Jesus said? He said He did not come to destroy the men's lives, but to save them. It's because God is still calling sinners to repentance. Sinners who are now unwilling to turn to Him. Sinners who are now opposed to God. God is still calling them to repentance. He's coming to bring salvation to those who remain unwilling to come to God. He came to save sinners. Not just those who voluntarily want to come to God for salvation, but for those who of themselves. Do not want to be saved see romans 3 verse 11 says that there is none who understands that there is none who seeks after god that's how we all begin but here christ shows us that we are not willing to come to him but that is why he had to come as the willing savior to save sinners and so this morning we want to see how christ demonstrates his willingness to seek and to save sinners and he contrasts that with the unwilling hearts of those who oppose him and so our theme is christ the willing savior and if you see first jesus shows us that he is a willing savior by whom he addresses but who he addresses here and he we notice that he doesn't come He's not standing here in in the unreached tribes, in in the, in the cities of of people who have never heard of him. But he's standing here in Jerusalem, and he's saying, "Oh Jerusalem, Jerusalem!" He's he's here in the city of Zion. He's here in the in the center of God's work in the world, and here he expresses his. His, his emotion and his, his deep desire for them. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. He says, you are the privileged ones. You are the ones who have the Word of God. You are the ones who have the prophets sent to you. You are the ones who have been so close to God's work in this world. And he says, there's no people as blessed as you are. No people who are so privileged. No people who have seen God working more than this these people. You have the promises to your fathers. You have the deliverance from Egypt. You've seen the miracles in the wilderness. You've seen the water coming out of the rock. You've seen the bread coming from heaven. You've seen the enemies defeated before. You've seen God leading you through the wilderness with a pillar of cloud by day and light by night. It's to these people that He comes. Such a privileged people, but on the other hand, such such a rebellious people. And He says, you who kill the prophets, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. You are the ones who reject and who crucify the Lord of glory, the Son of the living God. There's not a people who are more rebellious here than the ones that the Lord Jesus is talking to at that time. No one who could sin against a greater light than these Israelites who had seen the Lord Jesus in their midst. There's not a people who had received more from God, but who are here not more foolish and ignorant than anyone else. They don't believe that He is the promised Messiah. But still, Jesus comes to them. He was born as one of them. He came unto His own, the Bible says, but His own received Him not. Now, what about us today? Isn't that us today? Today the New Testament church where Christ says oh church church the center of God's work in this world the very pillar and ground of God's truth in this world you privileged ones there is no people more blessed than we are no more privileged to have such access to God such a witness of his work in the hearts of his people and in all his wonders in this world What does he have to say to you today? What does Christ have to say to you today? Does he still have to say, you who kill the prophets and stoned those who are sent to you? Or can you by God's grace say, O blessed Lord, such were some of us. But we are washed, but we are cleansed, but we are sanctified through the Lord Jesus Christ. Have you found refuge with Him? Have you fled to this Lord Jesus Christ? And Christ shows His willingness to save you by by coming to you. But secondly, He shows He's a willing Savior by expressing His desire. And He says there in verse 34, How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wing." And Jesus here is showing that there is no hindrance on His side. There's nothing on the side of the Lord Jesus that would prevent us or hinder us from coming to Him. You can think of that that chicken, and if we would see a hawk circling in the air, or if we'd see a storm coming, or the night falling and the cold weather seeping in, or there that chicken would sit and it would cluck to its, to its chicklets and it's, it would spread its wings, and those little chickens would run under the wings of the mother and would be safe there. The rain could come down and they would stay dry. The hawk wouldn 't see them overhead, and the cold weather wouldn 't reach him they 'd be warm, they 'd be safe from predators. The, the mother hens protecting those little chickens. and it 's with this desire that the Lord Jesus is speaking here to the Israelites. And the hen cares for the life of her little chicks. And the Lord Jesus Christ cares for the life of His people. Jerusalem, Jerusalem. I wanted to gather you together, your children together, your people, your nation, all who heard this message. I wanted to, to call you. This is an earnest call of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not a half-hearted call. Well, if, if you want to come, that's okay. And if you think it's not not for you, then that's fine too. No, this is the only way of salvation. This is His call to save sinners. And He gave His life a ransom. This is how earnest He is to save sinners. He laid down His own life. And it shows Christ's desire. If you look at verse 31... It says in the end of verse 31, it says, Herod wants to kill you. Here's that same word again. Herod desires to kill Jesus. He, he's intent on killing Jesus. He wants Jesus out of the way. But here, Jesus desires life. He wants to gather His people. He wants to save the worst of sinners. He wants to save the most rebellious sinners. He wants to gather the most unwilling sinners. And He says, come come for refuge and find shelter with the Lord Jesus Christ from all your sin what does the Lord Jesus shelter you from well we read in psalm 91 verse 4 that he shall cover you with his feathers and under his wings you shall take refuge again that picture of the f- sheltering feathers and wings and it speaks of of protection from the evil in this world Under the shadow of the Almighty, it speaks of safety, shelter from the storms of this life, from protection from persecutors. There's comfort for the sorrowful. In in a word, there's life. There's life for His people. And here in this passage, Jesus is specifically speaking of shelter from national and political doom. He, he, He knew that the Israelites would be facing national disaster. But this is, these are all secondary. This is all horizontal protection. But, but what he's saying here, he's, in point, he's pointing here to the impending judgment of your souls. He's saying that with Jesus Christ, there is shelter from the judgment of God's wrath against your sin. And this is what the Israelites were not seeing. They didn't see the Lord Jesus Christ as their Messiah, as their Savior but to come under the shelter of the wings of Christ it means that you find refuge with Christ here there is covering and there's protection from God's wrath here do you find mercy with God because Jesus Christ shed his blood on the cross to pay for the sins of his people there he turned away God's wrath from sin and to come under the shelter of Christ is to be protected and be protected and covered from the wrath of God against your sin and so under these wings there is eternal safety and there is peace with God. Here there is rest for your guilty soul, your guilty conscience. Rest for your weary soul in an oppressive world. Rest for a burdened heart by caused by all the sorrow and troubles of this sin-cursed world. Here there is deliverance from the power of the devil as verse 32 points to. And here there is deliverance from the power of your own sin. And here you're set free and brought into the kingdom of Christ Himself. Here is where He is the King to protect you from all evil, ultimately, eternally. And here Jesus expresses His desire to save you, to draw you under the shelter of His wings. And his arms, his wings are still spread open. And they're still calling for you who have never yet fled for refuge to this Christ. And then thirdly, then we see that Christ shows he's, he's a willing Savior. And we see that by how he implores, how he implores you. You can think of how a father would, would stretch out his arms when their little son or daughter is running to him after he comes home for work. His arms are outstretched, ready to receive him and to embrace him into his arms and to protect him from any danger. We read about the Lord Jesus that, that greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. And here, Christ was on his way to the cross. He showed he is willing to, To save sinners by going to the cross for them, to lay down his life. And so in this verse he says, How often, how often I wanted to gather you. God continued to send his prophets to Israel, calling them back to repentance. How often? Peter asked the Lord Jesus this question in Matthew 18. How often must I forgive my brother who sins against me? Seven times, but the Lord said 70 times 7. That means unlimited. Again and again and again. How often I wanted to call you. God comes to Israel with these unlimited offers of salvation again and again and again, despite their rejection, despite their rebellion, despite their grumbling, and despite their complaining, and despite their murmuring in the wilderness, despite their idolatry in the land of Canaan and their adultery in the wilderness. They forsook God time and again and time and again. The Lord comes back to them with their prophets. And even when the Lord Jesus came, He was rejected by his own people. But God comes to you and me continually, unlimited times, and he says the same things to us. How often I wanted to gather you, to save you, to protect you, to comfort you, to strengthen you, Day after day after day, Sunday after Sunday, you heard His voice. The times and the ways that God has been calling you are unlimited, uncountable. Every time the sun rises, every time the rain falls, every time a flower opens, it's as if God is calling you, O earth, earth, look unto me all the ends of the earth and be ye saved, says the Lord. Every time you hear God's Word, He's saying to you, I want to gather you under the shelter of Christ. Repent and believe. This is how he implores you. But then, fourthly, we see Christ shows that he is the willing Savior by showing us what hinders us, what hinders us from being saved. And he says, but you were not willing faith is even an act of the will but you are not willing to flee to christ not willing to use the the means of grace that he gives sunday after sunday and day after day but you you go on in your own way there's no desire to be saved and here Christ, christ contrasts that with with his desire to save and Luke uses the same word. He says, Christ is willing, but you are not willing. Christ desires to save, but you don't desire to be saved. Because if you are not saved today, the only reason it says here is because you are not willing to repent and to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. But you're rather content to go on in your life the way you have it going now. You, you, you don't want to let go of the things in your hearts and in your life to turn to Christ. You don't want to let go of this world and its comforts and its sins. But he says you are not willing. No one was coming. It's as if Jesus was holding his arms open but they came to the garden and they tied them. It's as if His arms are outstretched, but they nailed Him to the cross. But it's those hands that bled. And it's that blood that makes it possible for Christ to call sinners unto Himself. It's that blood that enables you to be saved and gathered and covered from the wrath of God. They were not willing to believe. But they killed and they crucified the Lord of glory. But they did not realize that the Lord Jesus needed to die for them, for you. Needed to die in your place, the willing Savior in the place of unwilling sinners. He willingly went to the cross to pay that penalty, to bear that burden of God's wrath. And even that unwillingness of the Jews was used by God as the means to open the way of salvation, to provide the remedy of salvation. It says in Isaiah, All we like sheep have gone astray, and we have turned everyone to our own way, and the Lord hath laid upon Him the iniquity of us all. God used unwilling, rebellious sinners to work out his salvation. This was Christ's sacrificial love, but God commends his love toward us. In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And how sharp and at the same time, how loving these words must have been that the Lord Jesus gave to his disciples in John 15. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. Jesus makes it clear. We are not willing. But even our unwillingness could not stop Christ. It could not stop him from going to the cross for sinners. But he is saying that if we are not saved, it is not his fault. He has accomplished salvation. He has laid down his life for sinners, for unwilling sinners. But he says, you are not willing. You have no desire. And here he laments as he speaks to Jerusalem. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Because he knows their days are numbered. He knows their destruction is not far off. And that's what we see in the fifth thought. Christ shows he's a willing savior by warning from the scriptures the results of being unwilling. God gives us unlimited calls to come. But those calls only come during our lifetime. There will come a time when that's no longer possible. And he says in verse 35, See, your house is left to you desolate, and assuredly I say to you, You shall not see me, until the time comes when you shall say blessed is he who comes in the name of the lord and those who are enemies of christ and those who continue to reject him now will not see him as a king until he returns in the clouds of heaven when revelation says every eye will see him and roman says every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that he is god And jerusalem was destroyed in 70 AD. Here the Jews had placed their trust in their rituals and in their religion, but they failed to see Christ. God had warned them many times in history. He'd sent them plagues and famines, He'd sent them armies, He sent them into exile and calling them to repentance, but they were not willing. And and Jesus says to us now in verse 5 of this chapter, Luke 13, unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. So what needs to happen to us? How many warnings are we receiving? How often would I have gathered you, church? Here he's speaking to his own covenant people, Israel. And he's speaking to us today, young people, each one of us. How often have I called you to myself? Are you still unwilling? Because a time will come when there's no more time to turn, when there's no more time for change. But now Christ still calls you. It says here to be left desolate left to you desolate left with no covering left with no protection from the wrath of god forever and ever nothing to shelter you anymore if you don't hide in the shelter of christ christ who still calls you today nothing could stop christ from going to the cross here to deliver his people. But nothing can stop God from punishing the wicked when that time comes. And the fall of Jerusalem came in 70 A.D., but this also points to the end of the world and to the end of each of our lives. And now His kingdom is still growing. Now His kingdom is still coming, like that mustard seed is growing over the it is spread over the earth. In Hebrews three, he says the Israelites could not enter the land of promise, or the land of Canaan, because of their unbelief. You were not willing, he says, that the only thing that can keep you out of heaven is your own unbelief. You were not willing. But then, sixthly, Christ shows he is a willing Savior by showing from Scripture the promises of his own return. And he quotes here Psalm 118, verse 26, when he says, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And this psalm shows how Christ would come, how He would die as that one sacrifice for sin, that He would rise from the dead, that He would ascend into heaven, and that He will come again as King of kings and Lord of lords. Here Jesus is showing that that His love is everlasting and unchanging. This is an ever-abiding love. His arms are the only place of eternal safety, this, this safety is unchangeable because Christ is now the unchangeable God in heaven. And though He was crucified, He rose and ascended into heaven. And there He ever lives to make intercession for transgressors. And nothing can change His willingness to save. Jesus told his disciples, and He said, In My Father's house are many mansions. I go to prepare a place for you. And I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. His desire for his people to be there in heaven with him, his desire to gather his people, his church, to be with him. Here he was entering the depths of his humiliation and suffering, but it also revealed the depth of his love, his eternal and unchanging love for sinners. And this is the only way that He can now hold open forever those arms to protect you, to remove your guilt, to remove your curse, to remove the wrath of God by taking this punishment Himself. That is how He could open His arms to you today. Second Corinthians 5 says, For He hath made Him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. It's there that you are covered with that perfect righteousness of God, covered under His wings forever, covered from the wrath of God forever. If you fear the wrath of God against your sin, here is where you need to flee. Here is where you find favor and acceptance with God. Here you find shelter with Christ. Here you find that favor with the Father to be received into His arms, just like the prodigal son was received back. To be received of Christ is to be received of the Father. This is your shelter, people of God. This is your peace. This is your comfort. Here is God's favor and goodness towards you in His Son, Jesus Christ. But then we see lastly, Christ shows He is a willing Savior by now, even now, calling you to Himself. And I want to speak a word then to you who are not yet saved. Who have never fled to the Lord Jesus Christ for refuge. How often does he call you? And where are you today? How does he continue to call you? Paul says, I pray you in Christ's stead. Be ye reconciled to God. Be reconciled to God. Flee into these arms for refuge for safety for forgiveness for love for grace for peace for life everlasting because what needs to happen to you what needs to happen before you will go to Christ what does God need to do into your in your life how many storms how many sicknesses how many accidents how many warnings do you need how many wars how many how many pandemics how many famines what is keeping you from Christ today why do you remain unwilling he will not reject any who come to him but he is willing and able to receive all those who come to him he showed that by going to the cross for sinners to pay for sin, to lay down his life. And that means there's only one reason why you are not saved today. Why you are not going to Christ today. And that's because you are not willing. Not willing. Unless you repent, he says, you will all likewise perish. Or maybe you desire Maybe you want to go to Christ, but maybe you can't find how. Maybe you see the unwillingness in your own heart and you wonder, how can I truly go? How can I go? Are you hesitant? Maybe you think, well, Christ won't receive me. I've lived my whole life in such wickedness. I've despised the warnings all my life, grown up in a church and rejected Christ just like these Israelites. He says in John 6, 37, that the one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. His arms are open for all those who flee for refuge to Jesus Christ. Can you not find a willingness in your heart to go, the need, the desire, then pray for it because he also gives that. He gives life by his spirit. How often is He calling you? Then come. His arms are outstretched still. Within children of God, how often have you been able to flee to Him? How often have you been able to run to Him time and again, knowing that those arms are there to receive you? Not only the first time for forgiveness, for salvation, for life, but now always for, for renewed for renewed sanctification, for, for daily sanctification, for renewed grace and help in time of need. He's always there. He has never turned you away. There you're safe from the wrath of God, safe from temptation. Here you're safe from sin, from trials, from fears. When they overwhelm you, you can run to Him in your doubts. Paul says, safe from death and life itself in Romans 8 death cannot separate us from the love of god but what i find more amazing than that chapter says paul says life cannot separate us from the love of god in christ jesus life with all its attractions all its distractions all, all, all its busyness all its trials all its temptations all its sorrows all its joys life itself cannot separate us from the love of god in christ jesus does that ever make you wonder Oh, where our own unbelief is replaced with that faith in the living God when He he teaches us to see Him in His Word and in our life. Where our own unwillingness is broken, when we see Christ's willingness for someone like us. But then to our shame, we have to remember how long it took us, how long God had to call us, how long God had to beckon us, How many warnings God had to give us before we finally fled to Christ. How long we were unwilling ourselves to come. But thanks be to God who has a willing people in the day of his power. Thanks be to God for his unspeakable gift that even to me this grace is given. But even now how sluggish we can be to daily flee to him. To flee safe into the arms of Jesus. How often do we fight our sins alone? How often do we fight our persecutors alone? How often do we go through the trials and struggles of this world alone when Jesus says, come unto me? How often do we live at a distance from him, finding our comforts in this world instead of with him? You know, a shepherd has many ways to draw his sheep back to to himself. One is he draws you with his word. My sheep will follow, will hear my voice and follow me. There's other ways he can throw rocks to scare them back. The explosions in life, the the sicknesses, the tragedies, the troubles that drive us back to the Savior. How many of those have we had? How many predators seeking the life of our children have we had? Oh, we need to stay so close to to this shepherd. We must live close to God. Is God who says, How often would I have gathered you? Psalm 91 says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. How often? Oh, He's always ready there to receive you. Arms open like that chicken to receive her children. Here's a covering. Here's the everlasting arms. Here is the eternal comfort and strength that the world can never give, that the world seeks to rob you of. Oh, do you need him today? He is there. He is always there. Go there today before it is too late. Amen.